Being on the front lines in the fight to educate the next generation is tough. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with important updates, encouragement, and connection. Welcome to the Institute Leaders Lifeline. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Institute Leaders Lifeline. Today, I am joined by a dear friend of ours, and we've been trying to get him on the show for months. Uh, here we are, I think episode 34, 35, and we finally broke the ice, and we have the Mr. V here with us today. So I hope that you stay tuned for the entire episode. If you know Mr. V like we know him, he's going to drop a nugget or two, and you don't want to miss it. So stay to the end. I'm sure that you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So V, thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Um, let's start off just with a big softball question here. So education wasn't really where you started in your career. Um, talk to me about how you got into education and, and kind of where that's taken you. So uh, I was, I'm a business major. I was working for a bank. Uh, my niece uh, was, a is a student with a disability. And uh, I'm, that's the first students with disability in our family that I have ever seen or witnessed or came close to in the proximity. So while I was trying to learn what it is and how to take care of my knees, uh, I was told it's mental illness, it's mental retardation, and there was really not much help. Um, that, that really was a frustration point to see what's out there. And the only way we thought of helping her is me to go to, a, to school to learn about how to teach students with disabilities. Uh, and that's the journey I entered education and uh, pursued education and to be a special education teacher. So from the classroom, your, your career kind of accelerated. Um, you know, you spent a number of years in the classroom, but then you, you got a break to join the district level. So kind of what led you to want to move into that district job? I mean, I, th I think that was kind of the catalyst that put you on the scene. So, yeah, I think I always say destiny, uh, right place at the right time, um, treating people fairly and uh, building relationships. Uh, it's a fascinating journey. Uh, I'm thankful and blessed with the people that came in my journey and helped me to be where I am today. Um, you work hard. I think I heard a quote recently, luck knocks, luck knocks, uh, knocks on the door of people that actually work hard. Uh, so we work hard and uh, doors open for me every single time. Uh, I was blessed with great supervisors that have helped me, coached me where I am today. And there is an element of surprise for me where I don't, I think uh, more, Males are very few males in education. And uh, when a male, especially from another country who doesn't look like them and talk like them, does things that they don't expect, I think it was an element of surprise that, oh, he can do that. So when I was at a charter school, and again, it, it could only happen in the charter world. I think in a traditional system, it's hard to identify talent or hard work that easily because they are so big. So in the charter school I worked, I had the luxury to do 20 jobs and pretty much I did it well. And uh, great people at the district office, Wayne Brazel, Robbie Compton, Becky Davis, there's a friend, William James, those people who have worked with me when, while I was at the school and they were at the district office, recognized my work. And when an opportunity came up, they opened doors and welcomed me 
to work with them at the district office. So it's a beautiful journey. Right. And 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 I, I see you doing you doing that same work for others. So what 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 was it about those relationships? How how did you build some of those relationships? What did you Okay, let me ask it a different way. So did you consciously do things to build relationships or is that just kind of naturally what you enjoy doing? So growing up, I'm a, if, if people ask me, what's your goal for five years? I tell people I want to make movies. I, want to, I can't start in a movie because how I look. But I always say I want to make movies. America was something I was born on July 4th. I always tell people. I'm born for the United States. <laughs> so this has been a relationship. My my driving license, July 4th, is my date of birth. So this country and I have a, a strong relationship. Growing up, all I watched was Hollywood movies, and it's just fascinating for me to be part of it. So when I came in here, I didn't see people as people. I see them as characters in a movie. Okay. So I just was part of something bigger than just relationships. So when I saw... Carl Baker, the coach at, uh, at the middle school I worked, he was a Hollywood character for me. Well, he could walk into a gym of 100 kids, which was chaotic, and he could calm the gym down. So it was not just a coach for me. He was not just a assistant principal. He was a character for me. So I built relationship with those characters. When I see Wayne Brazel, he was a phenomenal superintendent, but we used to go out to have a good time in the evening, just go to a drink or spend some time uh, talking. It was a character I could learn how to enjoy life, how to travel, how to trick. So he, there was a heavy rain. Uh, it, was, it was weekend, I said, happy weekend, but it's raining, what you gonna do? He said, doesn't matter, I'm gonna have fun. So it, everyone I say, saw it as a character in, in, in a real life movie. So, and again, when the blessings happened, my first school psychologist in 2007, Miss Mary Scott, when after a life cycle of six years, she and I worked as a counterparts in the same district. When I first came to America, she was my school psychologist. So she was kind of a boss of the boss. And then after five or six later, years later, we were working as coworkers. So it helped me realize that it doesn't matter where you are professionally with people. At some time, you're going to cross paths and you're going to work together. So I was very intentional in building relationships and not burning bridges. In education, you will cross paths with people. And if you look at in our office at Erskine, mm -hmm. we have five to six people that have mm -hmm. actually worked in one single district before they came here. And now they're working again at Erskine. So... Uh, relationships, it's, it's, it has to be intentional. So that drove me because I saw how people have traveled back with me and connected in, in the short time I'm in America and in my previous life in India. I just believe that relationships uh, have to be intentional um, and we cannot burn bridges. So that's a lesson learned. So where do, where do you think, I love that philosophy. And you and I were friends for many years yeah. and worked together before yeah. we've had this opportunity the last uh, almost a year now. Yeah. So where do you think that started in you? Is that something that maybe as a childhood, your, your, your parents, your family, like where, where do you think that perspective came from? Uh, I posted something on Facebook last night about my dad. He he's a phenomenal human being. Um, he, he loved American literature. He reads uh, every day. 
when he spoke in India, I don't think anyone uh, around him could have ever heard the words he could come out because he was so smart. But he was a family man, but he was also a man for the society. So he always poured 60 to 70% of the society and only 30 to 40%. So growing up, we always felt like my dad was um, always for others. He was always helping others. But as I turned from a teenager to an adult and trying to live by myself, I saw the fruits he has planted, the seeds he has planted, and they them helping me to be an adult and trying to help me in my life. All the people that he helped were coming back to help me. That resonated with me that, okay, all that he has done, oh, you are his son, let me help you. So things happened for me because of the seeds he has planted over the years. So that just stuck with me that when he used to speak, I used to watch him when he used to speak. So when I came to America, I started presenting and people thought it's my natural ability. It's really not. It's I, I stole a lot of stuff on how my dad used to present humor and command. So uh, when I what I saw in my childhood on how helping others will always come back. It may not come when you want it. It will come in its time. But that has helped me to be that person that you pour into people. And, and again, pour into people not expecting it's going to come back. Right. If you ex, if you pour into people expecting a return of investment, I don't think that's fair. You do it because that's the right thing to do. Right. And if it comes back, or if it, it may not come back to you, it may come back to my children 20 years down the line, or it may come back to uh, Jacob, or it may come back to you, or it may come back to somebody else. Uh, so that if somebody else bears the fruit of our work, I think our job is done. And that's what I was thinking of with that. It's almost like a generational, like you plant, your dad planted the seed. Yeah, it's generational. And then you were the one that got to harvest it. It does. And as in education, we plant the seeds in others yeah. and our students or maybe even, I mean, I was in the schools long enough that actually my fifth grade teacher, I had her grandchild yeah. as a student and I taught her child. So it was kind of interesting yeah. to see she planted in me and then I was able to turn around yeah. and plant in others. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about Damon West and uh, John Gordon's book with uh, the coffee bean. Yeah. And we've talked about, you know, the importance of not getting soft with harsh boiling water or yeah. getting hard like the egg, but the coffee bean, this was last episode, yeah. changing the water. Yeah. Like you don't get changed by your environment. Um, opening the Institute, uh, when you and Cameron started, or Superintendent Runyon started, y'all had a lot of heat. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't become hard and you didn't become soft. You actually were able to, today, we hear from legislators and people all over the state that you've changed the landscape. Yeah. You you were the coffee bean that now has made the water taste better. Yeah. But talk to me about kind of some of the things that y'all consciously went into. I mean, we don't have to get into yeah. some of the individual situations, but yeah. how did y'all keep your focus on the mission and not get caught in the peripherals. I think one philosophy Mr. Cameron and I had from day one, do not focus on the competition, focus on the customer. I think that has been the fundamental since day one. They may write 10 bad stories about you. They may say 20 bad things about you. You have to focus on your customer. Our schools, and these amazing school leaders have trusted, and the legislators have trusted, go open Erskine as an authorizer. There is a trust that put on us to run a school district and be efficient. 
So if you focus on the competition, you will lose the time and opportunity to serve your schools and your school leaders. So I think once we made that mission to support our schools and not focus on the competition, it was very rough because you wake up one day and not want to do the job. It, it, you, you go to sleep and you don't get to sleep because you're constantly thinking about what's going to happen the next morning. But what helps you is as, as days and months and years pass, the change, the seeds you plant, and when you see your schools are succeeding, and you're, when you are succeeding because of them, the competition goes by itself and they will not start. There's, they can only bother you so much. They can only hurt you so much. At one point, I think everything will stop. And I think that's what happened over the years. The first year was really bad. The second year was really bad. But I think as we entered into third year, we got more mature. And I think results help. I think when you see results helping, when schools are performing, when virtual schools graduation rate gets better, when, when rural schools started getting schools of excellence, schools of distinction, when results, when, when you plant the seeds, when you work hard and when you get those results, I think that change, I think the aha moments, oh, okay, it works. So that's why we hear a lot, uh, the Erskine experiment has worked. It, it's not an accident. It's, a, it's not just what the 30 people at the Institute, it's hundreds and thousands of staff at the school, your classroom, parents, all that they have done. And I think we owe it to them to not get distracted. Yeah. We owe it to them not get frustrated. We owe it to them to focus on the goal. And we owe it to them that we don't bow down to competition. We bow down to customers. And I think that, that philosophy has helped on, on rough days and rainy days to focus on the customer, which is our schools. And again, customer, I'm just using business language, right. but that's our schools. <clears throat> well, you know, in the charter world, we're in a pseudo business. I mean, we're in education, but it's really yeah. a, a lot of business. I, li I like the way you said that, focus on your customer yeah. and not your competition, because yeah. you can lose sight. If you're fighting your competition, you lose sight of yeah. your customer. I think that's that's important. But, but you also got into talk just now and talking about how when you started seeing success, it motivated you to, it's almost like success breeds success. Yeah. You, you kind of got that role. And so <clears throat> what are, what are some of those moments that stand out to you when you were like, we're on the right path? I mean, you talked about graduation rates yeah. in the virtual schools going up and, and things like that. Do you, do you have any moments or events that stand out that you really felt like, man, we're, we're making a difference? <clears throat> Yes, I, when, when, when we first started, part of the challenge was, can we pull this off? Can schools, again, it doesn't matter what website we have, it doesn't matter what social media platforms we have. If schools don't tell their story and perform, it doesn't matter what happens at author, not just Erskine, in, in general, uh, if we don't, if our schools don't perform, there's no reason for us to exist. I think, for me, when I travel with our schools, I will always say before Erskine and after Erskine kind of a mindset. There was a level of, I will not say excuses, but I think uh, it's transient kids. We have this challenge. We have this challenge. We need, we, we are going, we don't have buses. We don't have transportation. There, was, there were conversations about things we don't have. Mm -hmm. I think what we have done, what we brought to the table was data. Hey, why don't we look at our numbers? Let's look at these numbers. 
And when the aha moments, when school saw those numbers and when school saw the data, rather than saying and focusing on what they didn't have, they started focusing on what they have. Okay, for the graduation rate, rather than focusing on what we are challenging, let's use, let's hire three more interventionists to track these children. So they started uh, evaluating their own program and rather, I, I, when I saw the excuse, excuses may be a rough word, but once they started to stop making excuses and then focusing on solutions, okay. that was the aha moment. And I think that was not an accident. I think we bought in State Department, it's partnership. When we bought in State Department, we bought in EOC and we had those, for two years we had conversations. Over. Those were the hardest time because those conversations are hard, but once schools went through that, they realized the power they had in him. And also, I think part of the reason you make excuses when authorizers don't come in the position of support. Yeah. When they okay. come in the position of compliance, that but when we say we are we are gonna meet you halfway, they were open about the conversations, they were honest about their situations, and uh, they when they came up with their own solutions, that they, we, I, I think I don't think Erskine has contributed anything to their success. I think we just provided resources or being that face of support, I think the entire success of our schools is schools only, and they, they are responsible for their success. But again, when they when you see the trend moving from, I don't have this, this is the reason the kids are doing it, rather than now we have this, we are doing this, we have now, these three interventionists are helping us our graduate. That just is a beautiful thing to watch. Because now I don't, I don't think you going to schools have not heard about transient kids and this. Now they are explaining we have this system in place and this system right. in place to change our challenge, to overcome our challenges. Right. I feel, I feel like that conversation shifted to the things that we control instead yeah. of the things we don't control. Yeah. You know, we, we talked in the last episode really about focus on the things you control, the things you do, you say, you think, you feel. If yeah. you focus on those things, it's a lot, you can make a difference rather than focus on the things that are done to you that you don't you can't control. Uh, and the reality of acceptance, I think that's one more piece is that the state accountability system is the accountability system. And I know we have so many unique schools that are meeting a number of challenges, but I think our schools have accepted the model and then said, what can we do to be part of that model? I think that rather than create working on an alternate accountability model right away or asking for any waivers or flexibility, they chose to work with the system. And then I think once you give yourself to anything, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, whether it's a job, mm -hmm. when you give yourself 100%, you will figure out, find ways to have a good relationship with your family, have a good relationship with your classroom. And I think that's what our schools did is they owned up the state accountability system. They relied on the data and they made decisions to make better. So that's, a, that's one of the fascinating thing to see is own, owning your data and owning your school and moving towards from a problem mindset to a solution mindset. Right. And they did it on their own. I think they did it on the kudos to them. They did it on their own. Yeah. Well, and, and part of it is creating or providing the structure, yeah. providing the, the, the dialogue, the conversations. I think <clears throat> it's, it's hard sometimes when you're in the middle of the work to, to see yeah. it. But I think one thing that the Institute's done very well is provide more of an Absolutely. objective Absolutely. Uh, conversation to go in there. Um, <clears throat> I think the other part that makes uh, the Institute successful is really the balance of 
you talked about relationships and focus on the work. And I think a piece of the relationship is not taking yourself too seriously. And I think um, without sounding negative, I think that's one of your strengths. So pranks, videos, all of those, what draws you to that part of your nature? I think that makes you extremely unique in leadership. But where does that come from? It's a, again, experiences in life. Uh, You come to America as a teacher your principal is like God to you. Like, I mean, I mean, not just an American teacher, for an international teacher, principal is this unknown God for you, visible God for you. They make these decisions and they, 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 your classroom will be chaos if you don't get the support from the principal. Uh, especially as a special education teacher, they are your LEA in your IEP meetings. You get to get a lot of decision making happening with the principal. So superintendent of the district becomes much bigger figure than your principal. So when a superintendent walked in, I had people walk through the entire, they used to run through the classroom. Superintendent is here, district office is here. So that was my, some kind of experience initially. And six months later, that superintendent got fired. Um, And I went to a conference and he was there without a job and he was looking for a job and he was shaking hands and he was, he talked to me as a normal person. then it hit me like he wears his pants the same way I wear my pants. He is no different. Just the title is different, but he wears the pants. And I think for me, like I said, I'm very blessed. Uh, my first principal, Deidre Johnson, um, she never treated me as an international. She never treated me as a teacher that's going to be here for three years. I think I don't think I would have been here today if it wasn't her. She coached me and supported me. So the way I saw leader, she she was very strong leader, but she 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 operated in a way that she she that she never felt me it made me feel like I'm under an authority. I felt like I was under support. So that that's um, uh, a much deeper relationship with her. So and she treated my wife and my wife came to the school. She melt, my wife felt like it was a family rather than I came to my husband's workplace. Uh, then I come to the district office. When we bought a home, our superintendent went Brazil. He, he comes to my home and uh, planted a pink dogwood tree in my yard. He, I mean, he dug the, hole, dug the hole himself. So I just like, oh my goodness, this is, this is what a leader should be. And... I have seen um, a lifetime office leader when the same leader, the superintendent, uh, retired and he came back to the same office, he was a superintendent. He was asked to wait in the waiting room and he needed an appointment to go sit in the conference room. Mm -hmm. So that movement really stood with me because this is just a title. And once the title is gone, it doesn't matter Erskine, where I am right now, I may need an appointment to come back to this office once this title is gone. So that really, that, that I remember the day when, for me who is bigger than a boss, former boss, waiting in a room mm-hmm. in the lobby to get permission to even sit in the conference room where he ran conferences for five years. That was just unreal for me to just imagine. So that moment, 
has made me realize that I, I, I will never be allowed to be with the title because right. those t- the moment your title is gone, you're nothing to the organization. So that, that I have, for that moment, I have always not worried about the title and have fun. I think I have more friends and more people that admire me and know me because of my jokes and my humor <laughs> than what I do at the Institute, which I don't complain. Uh, so it, it, it's it's it, but again that's that's that that humor came from those serious moments of my life when I saw uh, people that I admire and my bosses who paid me for years in the waiting room, um, waiting to sit in the room. So it's it, it's uh, yeah those experiences will teach you a lesson. So it's that personal. Yeah, it's very personal. personal yeah. <clears throat> so if you weren't sitting here as an educator as yeah. in the institute and money wasn't an object yeah what would you be doing what, what what's your dream job when i look myself in the mirror i know i can't be a movie hero but i i love to make movies i, I, I maybe it, 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 it may have a social impact but once in a while I, I i write scripts on my iphone if you look at my phone i have i write when an idea comes to my wake in the middle of the night and write a script um so i i'm a, i i I like to direct a movie. I like to, uh, this is what I'll say. I like to tell stories. And if you look at Erskine's social media, uh, before you took communications away from me, uh, (laughs) I like storytelling. I think one thing you have seen in our communication, in the way we have approached things, is let's tell story of our schools. Uh, Let's tell, so though my passion is to make movies, like, I try to do it at Erskine is let's tell a story of a school. Let's tell a story of a school leader. So that's what we have done. I'll I'll go back and tell stories. I'll take a character and make a movie to tell that story. And maybe now that I have learned how much there is need in education, maybe my movies may impact education. So, but I don't know with, with where we are right now, what I am right now. I know that dream is far away, but I'll continue to do some work where we build something and tell stories. Okay. Who would play you in the movie? I, I don't know if I'll be the lead role. I don't know if ever, maybe my son one day will, I do something big one day and my son may make a movie and nobody watches it. But yeah, hopefully Aaron does it. Hopefully Aaron does it. That's great. What, um, if you were to sit here with, especially our younger leaders, um, and we have some great young leaders yeah. in, in, in our schools, what would be some advice as they're facing kind of the stress of schools and, and, and the balance of home and work? And what would be some advice that you might give them? If you, if any employer, again, I'm speaking for myself and I'm not judging anybody. I think when you choose education, where education is today in South Carolina, you do need to have thick skin to enter education. We'd say it's a, I think it's part of the job description is you need to have th- some thick skin in, um, in in getting into education. And I do think sometimes a lot of perceptions, I think a, a teacher thinks the assistant principal has nothing to do. The assistant principal thinks, the, I'm, in some cases, I'm not saying all cases, the principal has nothing to do and the principal thinks district people have nothing to do. I think we all have these perceptions. I think more understanding of each other roles is very important for young leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, until you are in that seat, people may see me in the hallway making jokes and 
making people laugh or spending 30 minutes just talking to somebody, but they don't realize the five minutes before I talk to them, I had to go through something and deal with something that I don't think most staff will ever know or most schools, they should never know. That's that's not their pay to do. But a, a school leader goes through some, the principal, what comes to their table, what comes in their inbox is not something they can share with others. But I think the young leaders needs to understand is the people above them have a job and they're doing something. We can find 10 imperfections everywhere. Not everybody is perfect. But I think understanding each other's roles and respecting their roles right. and waiting on their turn to be that leader. I think we we are moving into, I'm worried, and it may be just my experience and not universal. People want to move fast. Right. People want to move fast. Uh, this It just doesn't happen overnight. And I think having that patience uh, and is very helpful. I think that I will ask them to be patient, be respectful of each other's roles and uh, no one person can lead the team. It takes team to lead right. the team. So I think having that patience is what I'll expect the new leaders to. It is It is getting rough. It is rough and it is continually going to get rough. We have to get that thick skin to make sure we support each other, right. uh, be strong. And uh, um, uh, we have to go an extra mile just in education which means it doesn't mean we need to sacrifice our family time. Mm-hmm. I think creating those boundaries on what your life is from day one. I think you you, you start something and then say, hey, my family is important. And you, I think creating boundaries ahead of time, knowing, setting your goals for your personal life right. and your work life and making clear those expectations are laid out will help you create that work-life balance. I did a lot of mistakes by over committing and sacrificing personal life and I had to deal with those consequences. So that's what I'll tell them is to be clear in who you are right. and how much you can stretch yourself. Don't overcome it and under deliver. I was just talking to a leader yesterday and said, don't do it the way I did it. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you some things to watch out for. I can't tell you how to do it, but yeah. let me tell you some things to watch out Absolutely. for. I think I think um, we're similar in that way. Yeah. So what does the future hold? What, what, do, what do you think is the future of the Institute? Where do you, where do you think the... The trends are going to take us. I think the future of the Institute is bright. I think uh, the future of the Institute is bright. I, I, I've never been this excited. Uh, we, the leadership right now at the Institute has been the strongest. Again, as we are growing, as we are growing and the new leadership, the staff, the team has been a blessing. Uh, as you know, we started Teach Right USA that I think hopefully will change the landscape of teacher education in America and especially in South Carolina. Uh, we have other projects in the pipeline that I think will really transform South Carolina. Our hope, I know we say transform a generation. I think if you could explain it, I don't think common people that are not in education may not understand what transform generation means. Our hope is we have the greatest governor bringing in businesses to South Carolina, which means economy is coming to South Carolina. But as an educator, I cannot say we have the workforce ready for those companies. We have enough workforce. So rather than Myrtle Beach and Charleston's, rather than vacation South Carolina, I hope Erskine contributes to the leaders of South Carolina, the General Assembly and the families and the communities that we hope one day people are moving to South Carolina because it's high quality education. 
That that's the hope we think we as an organization needs to do with the work our schools will do is to, I want to move to South Carolina because they are great schools. And more companies move to South Carolina, not because they got tax exempts, but they're moving because if I go there, there is a strong workforce ready for us. So that's kind of a transformation we have to create in South Carolina. I, 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 I'm very hopeful. If you asked me two years ago, I could not have been this confident. Today, I'm very confident that we will transform South Carolina. We will transform the workforce. I say this to myself every day, in five years, we will turn South Carolina upside down in education. Erskine, again, again, I think everybody with the new leadership at the State Department, I'm not just saying Erskine, with the leadership at the Senate, with the leadership at the House, with the leadership with the governor, with the leadership at the State Department, it's not a single effort, but we will be running faster. Every day we wake up, we're going to run faster than we ran the day before mm. to get to that goal. That I can commit to you. And that's exciting. Yeah, it's it's, it's exciting. I'm super excited. This is, this has, uh, this is like I'm making a movie. This is how much I'm excited. Like if, when I write a story and when I make a five minute movie, it that's that's why I, I, I'm, I, it's I'm so excited. That's how I am. It's like I'm making Avatar two or Avatar. It's it's exciting. Very exciting. It. Yeah, it's very exciting. I can see it. It's very exciting. And it's going to be, it's almost playing out like a movie because a lot of the roles that we need to fill yeah, it's with players. Uh, that is true. The players, the actors are showing that's up a good one. into that's a the good script one. and you're starting to see that really. That's a good, through. that's a good way to put it. I think we need the right actors to be, I think that's, that's a beautiful, that's what I'm excited about. We got the right people. No, never in, in the history of South Carolina, I think we have such beautiful alignment of leadership aligned on a single goal, everyone wants to South Carolina, want to transform South Carolina. I think Erskine has a great opportunity to be part of that game and do it. We have to do our part. Right. We have to do our part. Right. And I think that's it. I think we live in a society that points out problems. Yeah. And it's time somebody's the solution. We have to do solution. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think we're there. Absolutely. Any any last Stories, advice, anything that you'd like to leave the listeners with in this episode? I hope you all enjoy your spring break. Uh, family comes first. I, I, I did a, um, I lost a lot of family time. I don't recall a time um, in the past 15 years um, that I gave 100% to family. It's, it's, it's a regret I can't, uh, I'll have all my life is, I don't think I have, I can always say I give 100% to work. I can never say I give 100% to family. Uh, my wife has struggled a lot just because she understands where I'm going and what my passion is, what my life goal is, what I'm trying to do. And she sees the impact and she has been supporting me. I don't think I would have done this job without her support. But I think I failed. If, if there is a report card each year, I think I have an F for past <laughs> several number of years. And I'm trying to mend as much as I can. Um, but I, I do think we to change the future, it has to start at home. And I think this year I have been very intentional. Uh, when, when I get five minutes on a phone call, I try to use that for five minutes of time. I try to call my wife that I have not done in my professional career. So, and I could see our life at home has gone better 
when I do those small things. I past two weeks I've been texting her to check on breakfast and lunch, and I think I when I go home I could see that that it's making an, a small text. So it's it's very important to take care of your home because transformation has to start at home. So uh, again, professionally I think I'm not uh, capable to give professional advice to all the professionals out there, but as a husband, as a father, I will always request make your home a priority mm -hmm. and let's transform our homes first because that home is going to generate two kids from a household um, my Ava and Aaron who may become better citizens and maybe do some leadership in this country or South Carolina so I do think transformation starts at home so to do anything outside we got to transform our homes and we have to transform our personal life yeah that's great I think it's great. We got to have our foundation squared away before yeah. we can build a home for somebody else. So. Well, <clears throat> I hope you take time to load the beast up with your family yeah, I, and take a trip, right. go do something. That's I know y'all right. y'all go to Carowinds and different things. You you do a much better job at pouring into your family. I think you give you cr yourself credit for. So I hope you do take time to do that. Um, we appreciate all that you do for us. Um, not just uh, your leadership in this too, but your friendship inside the organization and outside the organization. Um, you touch a lot of lives and, and, and you do a, a great job. And so don't ever take that for granted. In the fight, Thank you. know that Thank you, you make a big difference. Thank so you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for joining me, uh, Mr. V. Uh, we hope that during this week, I want to make sure that you take your time to take care of yourself and take care of those you lead. Be sure to follow the Institute on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Erskine Charters. We'll have all of these resources, including this podcast, many stories of our schools and other things. So check us out. The opinions expressed within the content are solely the authors and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of the Charter Institute at Erskine or its affiliates.